Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. So today I want to bring a message for you. And I don't want it to just be a message. I believe it's a prophetic word. And as I've just been standing here, I've been saying, God, what do you want us to do? And I believe God's given us a prophetic action to do today. That's a very, very simple thing. But we'll get to that, all right? So we're going to talk about the dangers of distractions. Now, for whatever reason, the thing which we worked with before is not working. So I'll let you do it. How's that? You'll just have to follow. So Luke. Luke 10.38, it says, It happened as they went and entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. Mary has chosen the good part, which will not be taken away from her. You know what I sensed this morning, the prophetic word that James brought was, some of us are worried and troubled about many things. Was that what he was saying? And he said, choose to be yoked to me. We often interpret that in our English setting, that we think of two oxens being yoked together. Because of our lack of understanding of the Hebrew culture, we we miss what Jesus is saying altogether. Because he's not talking about a yoke of oxen. You see, if I was a teacher in Jesus' day, I would come to David, who I actually went to Bible college with, and I would say, David, come and be yoked to me. And it was an invitation for him to come to my Bible school, which he did do, actually. He learnt so much. He's really the man he is today because of my input into him. He says with a big grin on his face. And so when, I, when Jesus said, come and be yoked to me, what he was actually doing was saying, hey, come and be a part of the things that I'm going to teach you. Does that make sense to you? So when Jesus, through that prophetic word that James said to me today, he said, don't be yoked that way, but be yoked to me, my business light. He's saying, I want you to hear what I'm going to teach you today, because what I'm going to teach you today is going to make it easy. Does that make sense? So I think we need to listen to today, because it's not just a message, it's actually a prophetic word. So I've called it Lessons from the Village in a way, or we've lost it all together now, that's all right. So three things, three things we're going to talk about. One is decisions, which is determining our priority. The second thing is distractions, the good things that can stop us actually doing the will of God. She was busy serving, but she was missing out. And the last thing is a divine perspective, how God sees these things. So let's have a look at the one by one. But just before we leap into that, as I was praying for you, God gave me a verse. And it actually ministered hugely to me. It comes out of Luke 15. How many of you know the story of Luke 15, the prodigal son? And we know he had a brother, isn't that right? And the brother was standing outside and he wouldn't go into the party and his father comes out to him and he says this, Son, you are always with me. And all that I have is yours. So Phil, I want to say to you today that everything that God has as your father is yours. 
everything. Do we, do we really understand that? Do we understand that every single person in this room has a heavenly father and everything that he has is yours? All the power, all the authority, all the resources, they're actually yours. And he spoke to that son and said, up until now you haven't done anything with any of it. And now that there's a party on, you don't even want to come in there. And I don't know about you, Viv, but all of a sudden, as God gave me that word for you, he was speaking to me and said, Jeff, are you walking in all the power that I've got for you? And I said, no, I'm not, Lord. And he said, well, you get on your face and you ask for it. He said, you need to understand that everything I've got is for you. Is that, does that change things a little bit? <laughs> it's not just for me. It's for every single one of us. God's saying, everything that I have is yours. Wow. So let's deal with this first one, decisions, priorities. First verse, how are we going, by the way? Are we up there? Oh, we're there. Look at that. Is the clicker working? Oh, it's turned off, by the way. I turned it off. You turned it on? Okay. Well, don't worry about it. It's all right. Let's just get up to the right slide. You can move it through. That's not working either. Well, never mind. Well, Exodus 23:19. I've got it here. I'm all right. The first fruits of your land shall you bring into the house of the Lord your God. The first fruits. What are first fruits? They're the capskins at the back. <laughs> they are, aren't they? The first fruits are the very first things that we produce. So whether you're growing capskins or whether you're getting paid a salary, whatever it is, God's saying the first stuff that comes belongs to me. Is that fair enough? So my question is, are we putting God first? Thank you, Diana. I'm glad to hear that. Yes. Praise God. That's all he's asking for. He's really saying the first priority that every one of us has is to give him the first portion. Is that reasonable? Kingdom. Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I think the trap is for us as Christians is that we start seeking the things first. Isn't that the trap? And I've been challenged with this all my life. It's very easy to go after the things. And God says, no, I want you to go after me. And when you go after me, then the things will be added later on. But how many of us want things? Let's be honest now. Come on, there's three of us honest here. <laughs> and God's saying, hey, look, just seek first the kingdom and this stuff. I'll, I'll give it to you at the end. And it's been amazing to me in my walk with God how God does those sorts of things. He just brings it the things that you want afterwards and he provides them often with no cost and no worry but he says you, you you focus on me first and so I'm bringing you a prophetic word today that's just reminding you kingdom first the things will be added to you because if you seek after the things you lose it I had a millionaire come into my office one day when I was pastoring at Otomoto Baptist and he wept and he wept he had just lost everything lost his money lost his house lost his business lost the property that he owned and I said, look, it must be terrible losing all that. He said, oh, no, I'm not crying about what I lost. He said, I can make that money again tomorrow. He said, what I'm weeping over is the fact that I lost my relationship with God in search for things. Wow. And he said, today, meeting with you, he said, you've restored me to Christ. He said, that's why I'm crying. Wow. 
He said, I don't care about the money. He said, I can make money again tomorrow. I've got the gifting to make money. That's not a problem. He said, but he said, when I've talked to you today, he said, I look at you and he said, I'm jealous of your relationship with God. I'd rather have your relationship than my money any day. Was that a good lesson for me? Well, I'm thinking, oh boy, thank you, Lord. Mm. First principles. In Hebrews it says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you've come to need milk and not solid food. And he lists off all the things, which I did have up there, but you haven't got them. There's six things. There's repentance from dead works, faith toward God, doctrine of baptisms, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, eternal judgment. Six things. Derek Prince has got a wonderful book. If you don't understand those six things, you should do, because these are the six basics, all right? Now, I'm not here to teach you the six basics today. What had happened to these people? These people had allowed themselves to go to the place where instead of moving on to meat, they were still needing milk. Because they'd forgotten these first principles. And it's just an illustration how you and I can get to a place whereby the things that we should know and the things that we should be doing, we've missed them because we've got distracted. Isn't that interesting? So let's talk about that a little. Matthew, sorry, Mark, Mark 3 verse 13. It says, Jesus went up into the mountain and called those to himself that he wanted. And they came to him. Then he appointed 12 that they might be with him, that he might send them out to preach and to have power to heal, sickness to cast out demons. Very interesting. What did Jesus appoint these 12 to do? That's not what it says there. Be with them. Isn't that amazing? Because the reality is, is that we have to be with them before we can do for him. And so James, I'm just reminding you today prophetically as the pastor that you've got to be with God before you go and do anything for him. Is that a good reminder for your pastor? I think it's actually a prophetic word. As I read that, you know, it spoke to me. I mean, I resigned my church three years ago, as these people will tell you, and moved up north, and I wondered what I was going to do. Been in Narfa prison, obviously. I go and do that and do other things. But you know what God's actually called me to do? Just to be with him. And, of course, the distraction is I feel like I should be going and doing things. And God said, well, because I was thinking, if I don't preach, I don't eat. As you can see, I've been eating. <laughs> I've got good news for ladies today. Did you know that overweight women live longer than, hang on, I haven't finished, than men who mentioned that? They got caught there, didn't they? Yeah. And so I have had to adapt to the fact that God actually wants me to sit in my chair with my Bible and spend time fellowshipping with him. And I realise that very often I'm being asked to do things that actually take me away from what God wants me to do. And I've got to realise now that he says, before you go out, I can't come to you with a prophetic word unless I've spent the time with Jesus. Does that make sense? And so he's changed my whole ministry. And so I think it's the same for all of us. Now, I'm not expecting you to be with Jesus as long as I am. How many people go out and work Few of them. How many of you pretend to go out and work? Oh, okay, that's no, <laughs> Still get there. And the reality is, I said, Lord, how, 
how do, how do I speak to people? Because I can't expect them to do what I do because I can spend all day in the presence of the Lord. You can't do that. You don't have that luxury. And he said to me something, can I, can I borrow that cell phone just for a moment? It's not yours? <laughs> mine needs replacing. That looks better than mine. Um, <laughs> how often would you look at that in a week? Well, let's say a day. How many, often, how many times would you look at it in a day? Too often? I just felt the Holy Spirit say to me, every time you look at your phone, send up an arrow prayer to me. Do you reckon you could do that? So every time you look at the phone, you think, hey, I'm going to connect with the Lord. Just a little prayer, just say, Lord, hello, just want you to know I'm here. Is there anything you want to speak to me? I'm having a great day at work today. Thank you for that. Prayer of thanks. Whatever it is, a thanks, a request. Just, just, I just kind of sensed that it was something every one of us could do. We couldn't necessarily be with him lengthy periods like I do. But maybe every time we looked at the phone, we could just connect with him. Does that, does that sound reasonable? Okay, that's what I want to throw at you. Ephesians 6. I'm going to speak to the young people for a second. It says, Honour your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may be well with you and you live long on the earth. So children, here's your chance to live long. You know, There's a great saying that grandchildren are parents' reward for not killing their children. There's some blessings of being married. I actually found that married men live longer than unmarried men. But married men are more willing to die. <laughs> just, just, just kidding, just kidding. So if God's first, what's second? What's second in the list? Who said family? Come on, brother. Top of the class. Come to the front. Fam family's got to be next, doesn't it? Whether that's your spouse, whether that's your kids, whatever it is. Family has to be second in there. And what comes third? Ministry. Sometimes we put God first, ministry second, and we ignore our own family. Would that be true? I've got my daughter here. So she sometimes felt that she missed out because dad was doing stuff for other people and not her. Would that be true, Mary Rose? Sometimes, yeah. I tried to get it right. Sometimes we actually put ministry first, God second. And the focus comes on what we're doing for him. And that's what this whole thing's talking about here. She was so busy serving Jesus that she'd forgotten about Jesus himself. Does that make sense? And so we've got to get those priorities there in a way. Now let's get to distractions. Proverbs 6, 6 is a great verse. I got, I got to speak on this verse in the ship. It says, go to the ant, you sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. Now, I obviously didn't say Proverbs 6.6 6 on the ship because it's supposed to be a secular thing. I said a ancient philosopher once said. Just didn't tell him it was Proverbs 6.6 6, because the Christians knew what I was talking about, but no one else did. And I talked about the ant. But the thing I want you to know about an ant today is if you've ever seen an ant trail, how many of you put a finger in the middle of an ant trail to kind of annoy them? <laughs> Only people like me? There's a few people nodding their head. What do the ants do? They just ignore it. Go right around you. Ants are focused. Isn't that true? You and I are not like ants. We're easily distracted, aren't we? 
and we'll look over there, what's happening over there, whatever. Something flashes up on the screen, something flashes on the phone, and we'll quickly go and have a look at it, and we forget where we were. And as I was sitting here this morning, you see, when my ministry changed to more of the prophetic, God said to me through another prophet, he said, Jeff, I want you to do a prophetic word and a prophetic action, just like Elijah came and threw salt into the well and then prophesied over it. And the water was healed from that day. Now, I've been to that well, and I've tasted the water, and it's still good to this day. Hallelujah. All right? I tasted it purposely. And Kevin Forlong said to me, he said, Jeff, I want you to do a prophetic action with people with a prophetic word, and it'll bring permanent transformation. Now, here's the prophetic action that we're going to do at the end. I'm warning you ahead of time. I'm going to get you to stand up at the end, find yourself a bit of space, and you are going to do an ant sidestep. Amen? Because I believe there's distractions that are today holding us back from doing what God wants us to do. And he said, when you take that prophetic sidestep and walk around it, God said, I will cause the distractions to fall off you. Which was very much like your prophetic word. Are you up for that? Because it doesn't have to be a complicated thing. God often just wants us to do something and he promises that he will then do something. And so if you're up for it today, it may seem like a silly thing, but I'm going to get you to take a sidestep and walk around and start to walk. Because his purposes and his intentions for you are what needs to happen. And he wants you today to do a prophetic action, just walk around and get back on track with his intentions and his purposes. Does that sound simple? Cool, we'll get to there. Okay, so ants, we learn from them, we're going to be focused. Next thing is 1 Corinthians 7.34. The difference between a wife and a virgin, the unmarried woman cares about the things of the Lord that she may be holy both in body and in spirit, but she who is married cares about the things of the world. Doesn't care about her husband, she cares about the things of the world. All the men said? (laughs) And how she may please her husband. And we all said amen again. And this I say to your own prophet, that I may not put a leash on you, but for what is that which is proper that you may serve the Lord without distraction. The reality is, is that, you know, I always tease David about being single. But the reality is, David is free to do whatever the Lord wants him, whenever he wants him to. Amen? And it's the same for anyone else who's in that place where they're single. You don't have to please anybody else. You can just focus on serving the Lord. Is that a good thing for the singles today? Here's another thing. It's interesting you're doing a fast. John Stott made this statement. Fasting strengthens self-discipline. It lessens the hold of material things upon us. It shows God that we mean business. It lessens the power of habit and enables us to seek God without distraction. Blessing follows fasting time and time again. Isn't that interesting? That fasting is a way to eliminate distractions And so I just find it really interesting that you're doing a fast at the moment. And I read that statement and I thought, this is for your church. How cool is that? Didn't know you were doing a fast, but now we do. And so it seems to be that when the fasting comes, you're not distracted, you're not distracted. How many of you know that actually preparing a meal, doing the dishes, eating the meal, all takes time, doesn't it? In actual fact, you've got so much more time when you're fasting. It eliminates distractions. John Stott also wrote this statement. got a couple of quotes of him. His third and subtlest ploy, talking about the devil, was distraction. He sought to deflect the apostles from their priority 
and the responsibilities of prayer and preaching by preoccupying them with social administration, which was not their calling. If it had not been success, sorry, if, they, if he had been successful in this, an untaught church would have expressed a very different wind of false doctrines. These then are his weapons: physical persecution, moral subversion, and professional distraction. Isn't that interesting? Distraction. So here is the church in its infancy. And the leaders are having to worry about who's getting a loaf of bread and who isn't getting a loaf of bread. What are they supposed to be doing? Praying and preaching. I'm speaking to James again. Speaking to Phil too. You know, what are you supposed to be doing? Preaching and praying. We get so distracted in doing other things. And I'm finding one of the most difficult things that I'm dealing with at the moment is distractions. Because people want help. And sometimes my answer has got to be no, but because I'm a soft egg, I find saying no to people really, really difficult. You know? And what I've got to do is focus on the main things. Now, I want to say this to you today. You're not a preacher. But God has called each one of you to work. And your work is actually your ministry whether it's raising a child, whether it's digging drains, I don't care what it is, that's the thing that God's called you to do. And the reality is, is that the devil will try to distract you from that very thing. Isn't that amazing? And something that God showed me a long time ago was I was doing a job in the church, which I thought was great, and God said to me, Jeff, until you stand down from that job, no one else is going to do it. And I realized that I was actually wasting my time, even though I did it well, because it wasn't something that God had called me to do. But sometimes we like doing those things, don't we? You know? So we've got to be very, very careful that we don't allow that it is actually a tool of the devil, is distraction. Nehemiah 6 verse 2. It says, Gershom sent to me saying, Come let us meet together among the villages in the plain of Ono. But they sought to do me harm. So I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? But they sent this message four times and I answered them in the same manner. The devil is incredibly persistent, isn't he? He keeps trying and trying and trying and trying to do those things. And so what happens is that the enemy tries to distract us from getting to do what God wants us to do. And we have got to come to the conclusion that the work that God has called me to do is more important. And I can't do it. We have to learn to say no. Does that make sense to anyone today? Does it, do you hear what I'm talking about? See, sometimes there's things that we've got to do because if, if a family is next to God, and that's the next ministry, there will be distractions or things trying to lead us away from family with disastrous results. When I went to go to Bible college in 1984, I, had, I was teaching at the time, I was teaching at Glen Innes Intermediate School, just up the road from where Sue and I were. And one of my teachers was Tommy Harker. And Tom's dad was Kingy Harker. 
Some of the Maori folk will know who I'm talking about. He was the archbishop for the Anglican Maori. Mighty man of God. Taught me a lot of things. And Tom took me aside one day. He said, Jeff, when you go to Bible college, he said, don't do what my dad did. I said, what do you mean? He said, when I was growing up as a kid, he said, my dad put ministry before our family. He said, I remember playing rugby. And he said, dad never came to watch one of my games the whole season. Every time he'd say, yes, yeah, I'm, I'm going with you. And he would break his promise because someone would ring up and they'd have some need. And he said, I got right through and he said, I got selected for the reps. And he said, we made it right through to the finals. And dad said, I will be there for your final game. He said, just as we're going out the door, the phone rang. And I said, dad, don't answer it. And he said, son, you, you go on to the game, I'll be there. Dad answered the phone. He said, I got there. Dad wasn't there. And he said, in the dying minutes of the game, the game was all tied up. And he said, I crashed across the line and I scored the winning try. And I looked up for my dad to be going, well done, son. He wasn't there. Now, when Tom told me that, he was 42 years old. And he's still got tears in his eyes as he's telling me that story. Have I, have I got my message across? <laughs> you know, our kids are more important. When I was with Dr. Cho in Korea... I got to speak in one of his churches, just one of his small churches, only 10,000. And, um, you know, it was just one of the, the beginning ones, just a little church plant out in the suburbs. And after I preached, the elder came to me and said, can I see your airline ticket, please? And I pulled out and passed it, and he said, oh, that'll be no good. Screwed it up and threw it on the ground. I'm thinking, that was my ticket <laughs> He said, where are you staying? I said, in the Dong Sol. He went, ooh. I thought, well, that's actually how I felt about the hotel too. But <laughs> He said, I'll get your bags moved to the Sheraton. I said, why? I said, I said, we've actually got our bags with us because I said, we're flying out tonight. He said, oh, no, you're not. He said, uh, we had a speaker speaking at our men's event and his wife's had a heart attack and he's unable to make it. And he said, you are going to be the replacement speaker. I said, a men's event? He said, yeah. He said, 250,000 men in the Olympic Stadium. That's a men's event, evidently. <laughs> when you've got a big church, uh, a men's event is 250,000 people. He said, we've got guests coming from all over the world, and you will be the speaker. And I said, I, I can't do it. He said, why not? I said, I promised my five-year-old son, Jeremy, Mary Rose's older brother, I said, it's his first day of school. And I said, I promised him I'd be there to take him to school. He said, do you realise, he said, if you speak here, he said, as invited guests, he said, this will open up your ministry. He said, you'll be a worldwide famous ministry. I said, it doesn't matter what I'll become. I said, I'm a promise keeper. And I made a promise to my son. And I thought, I need, I need a bit of wisdom here. Because he, he wasn't hearing all that. He was a World War II fighter ace. And he was famous guy, pretty powerful. And he wasn't listening to any of that. And I said, you know what? I said, your pastor, senior pastor, Dr. Cho, said that he ignored his two sons at the cost of the ministry, because he put the ministry before his two sons. And I said, his last words for us was, he said, don't you make your children suffer for the sake of the ministry. I said, do you want me to go against the express wishes of your senior pastor? No. And he picked up my ticket, smoothed it out again, <laughs> gave it back to me. Amen? My son Jeremy still remembers that to this day, because as a five-year-old, he said, that was more important than my dad than fame. Amen?
and I regret it to this day. Oh, no, just kidding. <laughs> but it had a deep impact on Jeremy because years later I took him over to a camp in Sydney and when I got there, I forgot that the first session was actually about father wounds. And so Jeremy goes off in the Australian bush for now to think about all the times I've wounded him. And um, I'm dreading what he's got to say. And I meet up with him. Paul Sabrisky's there with his son David. And he, he and I, da Paul and I are just thinking, oh, have we failed our sons, you know. And Jeremy, I said, well, Jeremy, just give it to me like it is. He said, you know what, Dad? He said, I remember at five, you giving up an opportunity to breach to 250,000 men for me. And he said, so from my perspective, he said, you've been a great dad. And that just meant so much, amen. Do you hear what I'm trying to say? I'm, I'm not trying to blow my trumpet. I'm saying we mustn't let the distractions take us away from those important events with our kids. Divine perspective. Let's close with the last thing, divine perspective. Jesus brings five things to light. He says to her, you're worried. You're troubled. Your sister chose the good part. She got the one thing that was needed and she's got the one thing that can't be taken away. Worry. I have to say to you, the Bible says be anxious for, for what? Nothing. Nothing. It says in Psalm 37 that anxiety is bad for the health. Do you know that 90% of the things that you worry about never happen? 5% of the things that you worry about happen because you worried about them. And the other 5% would have happened whether you'd worried about them or not. So I think we actually need to take God at his word here and say, God, you're big enough. If you read Richard's book, and I encourage you to do so, awesome power of blessing, I love the little comment he makes in the book there. He said, don't tell God how big your problem is. Tell the devil how big your God is. Yes. Isn't that a good statement? Great little book. And then we're troubled. Sometimes we do get troubles. Troubles come. But the reality was, if you listen to the prophetic word that James brought today, God's saying, cast your cares upon me, because I care for you. And as I said to someone who came forward for prayer today, don't pick them up again. Some people come to the altar, and they put their worries there. When they turn around, they pick them up again, and they carry them back out again. When you come to the altar, you've got to leave them there, don't you? Yeah. We've got to learn from that. And we've got to choose the good part, the one thing that is needed. John Maxwell, who's a great leadership guy, he, he writing about this story, he made a very interesting thing. He puts it up with the, the ultimate on one side and the immediate on the other side. And on the ultimate, which is on the PowerPoint, which we can't see, number one, he says, God is the source. Is that true? God is our source. Secondly, he said, he provides life. And thirdly, he said, spiritual things are the end. On the immediate, which is what we deal with from day to day, he said, other people become the source. Because in the immediate, we look to dad, or we look to a friend, or we look to somebody else to give us what we need. These people don't provide life, they provide a living. And lastly, he said, material things become a means to an end, not the spiritual things. Isn't that interesting? In closing, I want to just bring a very, very important verse. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 1 and 2. Deuteronomy 28, of course, is the whole verse of the, the blessings and the cursings. And uh, 
at the beginning, in verse 1, he says, Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, and observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you, because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Who wants blessings to overtake them? There's a few people, Lord, if they didn't put their hand up. Don't give me any, Lord. Too lazy. Too lazy. Here's the interesting thing. In verse 1 where it says, if you diligently obey, they're the same word. Isn't that interesting? If you diligently obey. So they're the same word. In the Hebrew, when you put two words the same, what's it trying to say? This is incredibly important. I'm doubling up the word so that you know that this is incredibly important. It means to hear intelligently, often with the implication of attention and obedience. And he says that they're both words, same. He's saying, listen, guys, listen, guys, hear intelligently. Let me go back to Dr. Cho. Some years ago, Dr. Cho was the guest speaker at the Australian Assemblies of God conference. I paid 10,000 US dollars to get him there. He came. He stood behind the pulpit. There was a hush silence. And I'm going to repeat to you word for word his message that day. Hear and obey. And he went and sat down. Now, if you've just paid 10,000 US dollars, and the guy says, hear and obey, and they're waiting for him, and he, he just sits down. And feet begin to shuffle, and there's coughing, and finally comes back to the pulpit, he says, I can see you want me to complicate matters. <laughs> is, is that a good message? Yeah. That's the message of Deuteronomy, chapter 28, verse 1. That conference, the Assemblies of God, decided to listen to what God was saying. And since that conference to this day, they have planted one church every seven days. It's pretty exciting, isn't it? What do you think God's saying to us? Three things. One, you've got to determine what are our priorities. What's actually really important, not just to you, but to God. And secondly, distractions. I feel that like the ant... You and I need to be focused. I believe the prophetic word for this church was, for you people in particular, God was saying, don't allow yourself to be distracted by anything else. You know what I've called you to do, and you need to make that the main thing. Is that fair enough? And lastly, there's this divine perspective, and it's about hearing and obeying. And that's what I'm going to talk about tonight. I'm going to talk from John chapter 5, and I talk about the fact that when Jesus came to Bethesda, he only healed one person. And we're going to talk about why, when there was layers and layers of people all lying there sick, why did he only heal one person? And there's a really interesting reason for that. If you want to know, you have to come for tonight. <laughs> Prophetic.